We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, and it's it's Monday, which means it's Monday with McCool, James McCool in the house, paydirt underscore DFS, the co-author with me of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass that you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. I see you guys. In the YouTube chat, Max Coach, Shane Beaver, Frederick Duke, Jupocalypse, Superman, da, 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 Man of Steel is here. Jacob Calloway, Sam Deal, Justin Sports, Druid27, hit that thumbs up button. Keep my apple juice cold throughout the show. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new, hit the notification bell to let you know when we go live. James, I want I want to talk about something very, very general today. All right. Uh, a broad, a broad, almost broader than DFS. It's based on some conversations I've had uh, over the past couple of days in the Roto Grinders Discord, uh, which which I'm in, which I'm in all the time. So if if you if you subscribe to Roto Grinders Premium, click on the link in the description below. Get ten dollars off your first month. Like people ask me if I do coaching, like I don't do personal coaching or anything. I mean I'm in the Roto Grinders Discord. If you have any questions, ask anything there. I, I have no problem. And as long as it's not a 2v2, you know, something strategy related. Not uh, what do you think is going to do well? I don't know. Look at the projections. That's, that, that's what I do. Uh, but the difference between linear and lateral thinking, I think, is a very important concept. Like, how, just it's not even DFS related, it's like how you think about things in general. And I think. Most average DFS players think too linearly. I think like most average people think too linearly, let alone just in DFS. Now, the difference between linear and lateral thinking is linear is just like step one, step two, step three. You have, let's say you have five decisions to make and you make one after the other. You go, which, what, which decision do I have to make first? Then I have to make it set this one second, this one third, this one fourth, this one fifth. Lateral thinking would be, I have these five decisions to make and one decision affects the other decision. So I'm going to kind of think in ways of, well, if I do this, this affects this decision. Like you're, you're trying to make one strategic decision across five different variables at once. So you're thinking in terms of not like, okay, once I do this, I don't, I don't have to think about it anymore. Then I'm going to do this. You, you see that a lot in DFS, which is like, oh, do you choose your pitcher or do you choose the first baseman first? And I'm like, I don't choose any, any, I don't choose anyone first. I look at the whole lineup, like as a whole. And now, yes, if you're actually entering it in, you're like, oh, I'm thumbing in a pitcher and then I'm thumbing in, but I'm not like leaving it that way. I'm like, okay, let me, if I play a high price pitcher, what can I not do with my bats? If I'm playing, if I'm playing uh, uh, 
two studs in basketball. Well, what 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 is my what's the downside to that? You're always weighing positives and negatives of like if I do this, how does it affect these other four things? So to me, that's lateral thinking. And in DFS, so many people think linearly where they're like, okay, uh, it's a it's a six game slate. Should I should I stack five one one one? Should I stack four three one? It's like you're thinking too linearly. You could stack them any way you want. It's just depending on what you're looking to do. There may be some five three stacks that are fine that are equal to four one 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 stacks that may be that may have two cheap pitchers that may have like all these other decision points that you're making affect one another. So, James, had I know it's it's not this is not something we necessarily talk in the course specifically. I mean, when we talk about roster construction, I mean it's essentially this: of you have to think of your lineup as a whole. Lineups, not players, but. How do you get more in the mindset of thinking laterally rather than linearly? I mean, that's, it's kind of a hard thing to explain. I think that it comes with a lot of experience. First off, I I think that like, after you have done something so many times, uh, you don't have to think so much about each individual moving piece. Right. So after you've built an NBA lineup, you know, 10,000 times, like you don't have to think individually about, well, where am I going to get my value? Well, if I play this guy, then what does it mean about this position? Blah, blah, blah. After you've played so many times, you just kind of look at the slate in general, you look at the projections and then you build a lineup and you look at it and you're like, oh, well, I guess I ended up on this super cheap small forward. Uh, I guess that's where I might have to be punting. Um, with baseball lineups, I think that a lot of people think very, very linearly in that they want to say, okay, well, I have to start with this pitcher and then I, and then I have to start with this outfielder and like you, you start with those things and then you kind of, I think people get anchored into that. And that is something that we talk about in the course is anchoring and you'll anchor to a certain thought or a certain player. And if you're thinking linearly, then like you said, you make one decision and then you forget about it. Well, if you've made the decision that you want to play Bieber and then you forget about it, then you lock yourself into the decisions that you have to make in order to afford Bieber. Instead of thinking, you know, it's a total lineup where maybe you can't afford Bieber if you want to be able to do the other things that you want to do with the rest of your lineup. So I think that a lot of it just kind of comes with an understanding and experience of building lineups over and over and over again. And the the main thing that I would say in that is, when you build a lineup, like build a lineup that build the best lineup that you could possibly think of, like forget salary cap for a second, build the best lineup that you can think of and all of the things that you want to do. And then look at it and say, cause you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to build the best lineup that you want to be able to build and you're not going to be able to afford it. So then you look at it and then you try to think about it and say, okay, well, I'm going to restart. And I know that I can't do all of that. So then you know, cut one thing out and then try to rebuild and just build a whole lineup over and over again, but never get anchored in and say, I want to do this one thing because that one thing might stop you from being able to build a good line. You know, like that one good thing of, yeah, you want to be able to force in the Yankees. Okay. Well now you're stuck playing Julio Teheran and Chris Flexen. And it's like, (laughs) are are the Yankees going to put up 40 runs? Maybe, but like your pitchers suck. So you'll get locked into these things. If you think too linearly, you really need to be able to make all those decisions and look at the slate and look at your lineup as a whole. And I think the best way to do that is just build a lineup, see where you end up and then keep trying to build lineups that are kind of cutting things out here and there. Well, also it's a matter of weighing variables together. So like when you say we look at a lineup, there are the three main levers. And we talk about this in the course projection, correlation and leverage if you want to use these broad buckets of in the perfect world we'd have the highest projected lineup with the most amount of correlation and a ton of leverage right unfortunately you're rarely you're ever going to get into those situations where where okay let's look at the median projection of all these players and the probabilities of them hitting their you know 80th plus percentile outcome for the slate uh, and then find out that they're all one percent on. Like you're not you that that doesn't happen, right? You're not playing against that many stupid people. That like the highest rejected players, like no one's playing. So which means you're gonna now lower your projection 
in order to gain leverage or gain correlation, right? So we talk about that in the course about, you know, the more projection that you dip, the more you have to make it up with the other two levers. The more, the more correlation you lose in MLB, the higher projection you better be gaining, right? The less light, like it works in the opposite directions also. So these three levers work in combination with one another. So thinking linearly, it's, oh, I need to play the highest rejected lineup. It's like, no, not necessarily. Uh, and then they go, okay, well, in GPP, I want to play the highest leverage lineup. And I go, not necessarily. They go, well, I want to play the most correlated lineup. No, not necessarily. Like they're, maybe the most correlated highest leverage lineup has such a low projection that it's expected value in the contest is garbage, right? You go, okay, yeah, sure. I can take the bottom of the Pirates order and the bottom of the Rangers order. And uh, the the pitch, uh, we had Alec Mills at 11.7 the other day, right? The the, uh, immediate, the overpriced pitcher for no apparent reason. Leave 3,000 on the table. And you're like, wow, dude, this is a unique lineup. It has correlation. I have a 4-4 stack, right? And in the projection is like 60 points under like every, like, like, yeah, I guess it's, it's it, yeah, sure. You got correlation, you got leverage, but your lineup is going to be projected so much lower than, than 99% of the lineups in the contest. Like, did you, did you even get enough of the other two to make up for that? Maybe not. But people think in these extremes of, well, I need to do one thing and then the next thing and then the next, okay, I'm going to build the, I'm going to build a chalk lineup. And then, then they do the pivot thing of like, I'm going to build a chalk lineup. And then just instead of this guy, I'm going to play that guy. And I'm like, is that enough leverage? Like, like, dude, you, you're still playing the chalk stack this way. You're still playing. I mean, that may not even be enough leverage. Uh, you get, you just, you gave up five points in projection to be this, this much different. So that lineup actually, it, that lineup probably worse than the original lineup. Cause at least the original lineup is chalky and high projected. Now you have a lineup that is nearly as chalky and way too less projected. So that's why balancing those three things, to me, that's what I consider the difference between linear and lateral thinking of linear thinking would be, uh, I'm going to build uh, what stack should I play? Okay. I'm going to play that stack. You know, they, they're going to look and go, oh, who's a good high projected stack, the Dodgers or something. Okay. I'm going to play the Dodgers. I'm going to play the, the best projected pitcher, right? They play Jacob DeGrom and the expensive Dodgers stack. And they're like, okay, who are the best? Now just give me the best projected players from there which is still fine. You're playing the 6K pitcher and three one-offs, and one of them is like Luis Rangifo or something for 2,300 in one of your spot, in your second base spot or something. And you look at that, and you run, and you look at the projections, and you see, like, that's not a that's not a poorly projected lineup. Uh, it has an, it has some, it has, obviously it's correlation, it's baseball. So you have a five-man stack on DraftKings. And it has some leverage. You take a look, the Dodgers are still going to be owned. The, the Grum is still going to be owned. And you take a look and you go, well, the, with the balance of all of this, is it that great of a lineup? Well, it's like, well, I, 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 I correlated. It's like, no, that's you're thinking too linearly. It's like maybe taking out one of the Dodgers, the, the, one of the Dodgers, maybe taking out Chris Taylor at 4,700 allows you to now get a three-man angel stack to at least correlate with Luis Rangifo, Right. So at least you're playing the, the eighth hitter for the Angels with like, not maybe not Trout because you can't afford Trout. And now, 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 okay, now you kept by doing that by taking out Chris Taylor and adding like Justin Upton or something, and now making a four-three-one. You you look at the your, the projection of that lineup. It's the same as the lineup that you just made. It's literally that it ends up being virtually the same amount of projection. And it's less, now it's, you only have a four-man Dodger stack. Chris Taylor is 20% owned. You're lowering the ownership of your lineup. And you're adding correlation now because now you have two stacks. You have four, three in there. That, li- that lineup could be better. And then, but then you're going to say to me, but I thought, I thought you want a five-man stack on DraftKings. I'm like, well, that lineup that you had with a five-man stack, based on the weighing of those three variables, Maybe the four three one that it just switched into is a, is a better lineup. It has a higher expected value. Maybe instead of doing four three one, you go. Do I need? Maybe it's a large field GPP and like Jacob Degrom is going to be 
45% owned, 50% owned. There's a pitcher that's 9,800 instead of 11-2, right? That's going to be 10% owned. That could end up outscoring Jacob DeGrom or whatever, or at least score enough points. So you go down, you save the 2,000 there. And now instead of, now you're able to get, get Chris Taylor back in your five-man Dodgers stack. And now you're able to turn Upton into Mike Trout. And you look at that lineup and you go, okay, now I have a 5-2-1. Because you still have that Luis Grigifo in there, right? You still still have that cheap, cheap second baseman. But you're correlating that with another angel. You're getting, obviously, a ton of leverage by not playing DeGrum. You see that compared to that second lineup, you lost about five points in projection. There's the, the difference between DeGrom and the two hitters and everything. But, dude, you gain like 40 40 percentage points in ownership. So it's like, I'm willing to sacrifice five points for 40% in ownership. And you look at that lineup and you go, that lineup, it's not higher projected, but it has more leverage. It has more correlation. So compared to that, the first lineup you made, which makes the most sense, five-man Dodger stack, Jacob DeGrom. I mean, when people make lineups, they go, I want a five-man stack and I want the stud pitcher. And it turns out a lineup that doesn't have a five-man stack and a lineup that doesn't have the stud pitcher may actually, in a large field GPP, may have a higher expectation than these hard, fast rules of, like, you got to play a five-man stack, or you got to play the stud pitcher, or you got to play, like, stop thinking linearly, thinking laterally of, there could be 4-3-1 lineups that are good. There could be 3-3-2 lineups that are good. There could be, depending on the size of the slate, like, oh, do you play 5-3? Do you play 5 and uh, 3 one offs Well, there could be plenty of good 5-3 lineups. Maybe there's 5-1-1 lineups. But, like, you think, you're still thinking, the, by asking the question, you're thinking too linearly. Like, you shouldn't be playing any construction. You should just be playing good lineups. So, like, when I build in lineup HQ, I don't put, like, oh, I'm playing 100% 5, you know, today's six-game slate. I'm playing 100% 5X. And there's running it. It's like, no, I may be playing four threes. I may be playing three threes. I may, how, how is everything going to shake out? I need to see that first. It may, it may turn out that there aren't many three, three type lineups that, that are good enough. It may turn out that there may not be five, three lineups that are not going to be like super owned unless I want to stack against the, the chalk pitcher or something. So just going into a slate and thinking of all these variables and weighing lineups that pros and cons, every lineup, every lineup you make, there will always be a negative. There's no like, oh, this is the best lineup and there's there's nothing wrong with it. Because obviously, if you build like a cash lineup, right? What's the big negative in MLB to a cash lineup? It's that it's not correlated. It's the highest projected median lineup based on your projections, but it's mostly one-offs. It's a mess of whatever. So whoever the highest value is getting the most salary. So that's not good for GPP. So it's like, but it is the best projected lineup. So it's like, but it's still not good for GPP. Then you go to the most correlated. Oh, I'm going to build 5-3 on DraftKings. And the 5-3, I'm going to play the pitchers of the two teams that are 5-3. Because obviously if they out, if they score the most points, the pitcher is more likely to get a win. So now you're super duper correlated. And you take a look at that and you go, well, the other, it's also chalk and it, it, it's not projected as well. And you go, okay, well, well now what do I do? It's like, okay, well then you go to the opposite extreme. It's like people think too much in these, you got to do one thing or the other thing rather than build a lineup. What's its positives? What's its negatives? Oh, I'm, I'm going to play the chalk Yankees that are projected. Well, it's like, okay, then where do you find leverage in your lineup? Oh, I'm not going to play the Chalk Yankees. I'm going to play this other, I'm going to play this 1% owned Pirate stack. It's like, okay, where are you going to find projection in the rest of your lineup? Because those three things go hand in hand. So a lineup with the Chalk Yankees and a contrarian pitcher versus Chalk garbage stack and two stud pitchers and a stud pitcher they may end up, if we ran this out 10,000 times, to end up earning you the same amount of money, right? They may end up being the same expected value. It's two different lineups, two different positives and negatives, 
One has a higher projection, but less leverage. One has more leverage, but less projection. We run this out 10,000 times. Obviously, the one with the, the garbage stack in it wins less often, but when it wins, it wins more money. The one with the chalk Yankees may win more often, but when it wins, it wins less money. It, it comes in more, more times than not. It comes in 40th place and 30th place. And the, the garbage stack comes in first or a lot of times doesn't even cash at all. But once you run it out 10,000 times, they end up, you know, at the end of 10,000 times, you end up with the same amount of money. So it's like, if that's the case, that means both line- lineups are equal to one another. Even though they, they're weighed differently on the variables that you're going after. So when people ask questions of, well, it's a six game slate, should I stack five, three? It's like, you're, you can, you could play two, two, two. You could, you could, you could do that. Obviously, a lineup that's two, two, one, one has very limited correlation. It better it better have high projection and high leverage, though, right? If you're playing in GPP, can you make? Are you able to make make it up in those other two those other two levers? If you can, then I can't tell you that that lineup is bad, right? People would look at it and go, "How you play? Why are you playing a three, two, one, one, one? Like I thought it's baseball. I thought we stack." Like, well, if your three, two, one, one, one has enough leverage for the size of this contest that it's in, I can't argue against it, right? If it's projected well enough to make up for the lack of correlation and has enough leverage to make up for the lack of correlation, then that's just as good as a highly correlated lineup that has little leverage and little projection. So those all three things you have to weigh in your head at once, not one at a time. So... To me, that, that's the difference between thinking linearly and laterally. But James, you could see how people could get frustrated. I mean, obviously, with the answers that I tend to give, right, where people ask those types of questions. And I go, well, with, you're asking me a question that relies on four, four other decisions or two other variables that you're not giving me any information on. So, like, how am I, I I'm not going to think linearly by going, should I play this guy or that guy? It's like, I don't know what contest you're in. I don't know what lineup you're in. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. So there's no, there's no possible answer to that question. You have to weigh these things all at once. So you have to know the lineup. You have to know the contest it's in. And then you have to know what other people are doing, obviously, for, for the leverage angle of it. And then it, it makes nearly any lineup justifiable to some extent. Obviously, you're going to be looking at projections. But it makes like when is it totally crazy for me to st- fade the eighty percent owned pitcher? Like no, it's never totally. It's ne- nothing in DFS is totally crazy on a on a on a one slot level, right? Is it totally crazy for me to play all, all the ninth hitters in all of six all the six uh, twelve lineups today and play two relief pitchers? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Right, right. We, pro- we probably shouldn't do that. I was gonna but, say we we don't say never very often. When we talk, we, we make an effort to be like, oh, well, sometimes and maybe we, we play the gray areas. But I mean, two years ago when Gordon Hayward was min priced and he was starting and he didn't have any restrictions, uh, that that would be crazy to, to fade that situation. Um, but but yeah. it's still fadeable. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And, right. and my models, I remember that day specifically because I fought with myself about whether I should be playing him or not because I figured he would be 96% owned and my models had him hitting value 92% of the time. And I was like, he's over-owned. He's slightly over-owned. There, there's 3%. There's 3% leverage that I get here if if I end up fading him. But it's but it's good. I mean, there's no, it's not a hundred. It's never going to be a hundred percent. Right. I but but crazy doesn't imply a hundred percent either. Crazy implies maybe that two percent. I don't know. That's a discussion for other time. That's not crazy. To crazy is playing guys pinch hitters. Playing that's crazy. Oh, you mean like playing playing pinch hitters on a classic slate? Sure. It's not even that crazy playing it on a showdown slate. (laughs) I still don't think you do it, but playing pinch hitters on on a showdown slate at least okay. Pablo Sandoval seems to hit a home run every time he pinch hits. Right. So I'm going to play Pablo. So no, you shouldn't be doing that. I think that, um, and one thing that I really try to put across in my community as well is um, it don't, don't ask me one v ones because it really is just, 
I, I like looking at full lineups and I like helping people put together full lineups, but a 1v1, so, so often I'm just going to be like, what do the projections say? What do the rankings say? Because that's just what I'm going to tell you. Like, I'm going to go with the same thing. I, I like thinking more of the decisions of, okay, Freddie Peralta is going to be 80%, right? Like, what, what are the chances that I should be using a stack against him? What are the chances that I should be utilizing him? can I build a lineup with a stack against him that projects well enough and like has the other, you know, high ranking stacks. Like I, I think that it was a couple of days ago where the Cubs were up against Oscar. I cannot pronounce his last name, but like the Braves pitcher. What in Yeah. 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 Why not? Yeah. That, that was the, that, yeah, that was the, that was the slate where I played Williams. I played the other side of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I suggested to fade why not? Because like, I mean, I have my reasoning behind it and I put it in the pitching notes and people are like, well, he's only 6,700. It's like, and, and so? he was 70% owned. And, and yeah. And he was super owned. He was 65% owned or something. And I was like, I'd just rather play Casey Mize because I think Casey Mize is a better all around pitcher. Now that did not work out very well, but that's I mean, it still point. worked out. And Noah only had like two points. Yeah. He well, why not actually, I, I think Mays finished with like two points and Wynoa finished with like negative two or something like that. No, no, he, no, he got enough strikeouts. It was like, it was like 2.2 or something. Okay. So they, they were like the same. But, but so the was, point is, is that the, the ownership difference between the two right. shouldn't have been that dramatic. Right. And it was a difference of 40 points. It was 40% own difference there. Right. And, and the decision there is, okay, well you can take, Bosker, who was at like a 12K per nine or something and projected for, I don't know, 20 points across the industry or something like that. Or you can take Casey Mize, who's going to project for 14 points, but the difference in the ownership can justify the difference in the projection. Um, likewise, taking the Cubs against Bosker and Wainoa and, and taking that gives you this massive leverage point to where you're able to play whatever other chalk you want to take. You can take Javi Baez, uh, Wilson Contreras and Javi Baez, which ended up being like the nuts combination of that team and pair them up with the chalk stack and with the other chalk pitcher who I think, who was it on that slate? Sonny Gray. Who was it? I think it's Sonny Gray. Was that the Sonny Gray slate? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It was Sonny Gray. You're right. Yeah. And and you can pair that up and now you have the Cubs at 2% against the 60% owned player. And there you go. Like There you go. You can end up, but doing- that, but the, 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 but the point you're making is that it's not like oh, but that's the right decision. It's like no, the expected value of that lineup is as good as if you play Wainoa right. and another right. stuff. Like like if you did something like I'm going to stack the Bray. Like imagine you stacked against Sonny Gray. It's like well, that's the same thing as stacking against Enoa. Uh, Let's say instead of now you're going to play Gray Enoa. But now you're going to play whatever pirate stack that's unknown. Like that could be, we're talking about lineups that are about equal to one another, but they contain completely different players. Cause what one thing does well, the other thing doesn't do well. Like here's a live, here are these lineups that are super, you're going to stack against chalk pitchers, super duper leverage. Obviously the projection is going to be lower, right? So like you, if, hey, if they get blown up, like you make up all those, the projection doesn't matter anymore because you're making it all up in the in the leverage of having all these points. You're making it up in relative value. But then you look at the other the other side where here's a lineup that high projection, not as much leverage. And you go, well, the, the fact that you have less leverage means you're making it up in projection. I mean, like it equals out to one another. <laughs> so if you ask me which lineup to play between the two of them, the answer could be, whichever one you want. And I think that it also has to do with what you want to accomplish in the contest and what contest you're in, right? Like I, for me personally, I would rather be have to be right about less decisions than I would like, I would rather have to be right less and get paid for it more than being right more and getting paid for it less. You know what I mean? Like I would rather be able to look at a lineup and look at those three levers and probably err towards the correlation and the leverage side rather than the projection side, just because, and that's just because that's the nature of baseball to me is projections are, are well, very- the variance in baseball is so high. When people yeah. ask me, James, when but people think it's more like NBA, because I'll get NBA people in the MLB chat on the discord. Yeah. And they'll go, how many, how many meeting points should I sacrifice 
for the size. I'm like, dude, one swing of the bat is 14 points in MLB. Like one swing of the bat could be 14 points. Okay. Two swings of the bat and you're out of the cash because 30% on Trey Young hit a home run and you had soda. Right. But I'm just saying that remember, four, one swing of the bat could be because that's a solo home run on DraftKings. Yeah. So you put someone on base, you put a walk here at the 20 points could like that's not like 20 point differences between lineups is not is not as dramatic. A 20 point difference in NBA is like is light years. I mean, like you're you're an Alpha Centauri at that point. Because obviously it's not an event driven sport. So in order to make up 20 points, there needs to be baskets and assists and rebounds and all this other stuff. And baseball, like Luis Regifo, home run, done. You, you made you made it up. There you go. You made it up. So you can't think in that mindset of like how many immediate points do I give up for X amount of leverage like that? Now, obviously, there are lineups that are extremely low projected that you probably wouldn't play. The, the goal is in the contest is to play lineups that have higher expected value than the other lineups in the contest, not the ones that have the most, right? It's hard to figure out what the most is to begin with. What you have to do is just have better lineups than your opponents. Uh, so like questions like this, like even with the, like, I, I keep on, I keep on going back to, back to this, that, and I, and I show, and I show people on, on the show, people overthink. I think base, I think MLB DFS is the most overthought DFS sport there is like the amount of thought that I put into NBA to make a lineup is like 10 times more than MLB. NFL, 10 times more than MLB. Even NFL, 10 times more than MLB. MMA, that, that's all those types of sports. Those are easy, right? Because you just like, give me uniques and everyone's yeah, negatively yeah. correlated to one another. It's not that hard. And But but people like, but Bongo Fiesta, in fact, I have to say that that's his username. But Bongo Fiesta is talking about getting stuck playing in stats, stacks with the uh, batters back to back. Like as far as like one, two, three, four, eight, nine, one, two, six, seven, eight. Uh, I don't care about it. I've gotten to the, I've, I, I went from ha- gaps are okay to, I literally don't, I, I, I pay no attention to it. Cause if you run, if you run the correlation of all the players, if you run across baseball, because I, I, I saw this, this is the reason why I, I don't care about it anymore. Uh, each player's ceiling. So one, the one to nine hitters or one to eight in the national league, obviously when the team scores 12 runs, the ceilings of each player is correlated to one another. I mean, that's the reason why you stack. I mean, that's essentially. So the higher the score of the game is, the more that all the players ceilings correlate to one another. What's the difference between the third play, the third guy in the lineup ceiling and the fourth guy in the lineup ceiling. What's the difference between a one gapper, the first guy in the lineup versus the third guy in the lineup versus the eighth guy in the lineup. If you take a look and do that, the higher in the order are, are more, are more correlated, but only by a very marginal amount. So if you stack one, two, three, four, Obviously, you're getting the four best hitters. I mean, like the reason why you do one, two, three, four is because they're more likely to get more at bats because they're at the top of the order, and at te- and they're and they're better hitters because that's why they top by bat at the top of the order. But typically, they're a little bit more expensive because they're at the top of the order. They're better baseball players. Uh, but like, if you were to play one, two, three, five versus one, two, three, four, the di- the the correlation is like is, is so marginal. Like 0.01 difference. If you were to play one, two, three, eight, it's like 0.02 different. Like it's 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 so marginal that as long as you're playing four guys, five guys from the same team, who cares what the order is? Like it, you, if you could make that up, that marginal, 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 marginal in in whatever else you have projection or leverage, then who cares? Like it's so it's so mar the you know how I in NBA James where I say that when in doubt, if you if to pick a guy from the other side of the game of a guy that you're playing, you know, how do we do that type of correlation? Yeah, yeah. We're and we that. say that it's a weak correlate. We say that that's not, a, don't make that a hard, fast rule. 
the correlation between both sides of a game is weak. And all correlations in NBA are weak. There's more correlation in NBA for that than there is of the gaps of the hitter in the ML, in your MLB lineup for, for ceiling. Okay. So if you were to play one, three, six, eight as your four man stack, the difference between that and one, two, three, four is less than picking two sides of a game in a, in a NBA game. We don't even care about that. Right. So it's, it's less than that. So when people get this, uh, consumed with well can i play the eighth hitter can i play the can i play these two guys like i've gotten to the point where i just build my lineups and whatever fits fits it's just some lineups have the ninth hitter in it some lineups have the some lineups miss the i mean it is what it is it's just i'm taking four guys i'm on fanduel i'm taking five guys on DraftKings. it doesn't doesn't really matter doesn't really doesn't really matter a lot of times if anything i'm trying to include like the stud Right, it's hard to see the Nationals putting up twelve runs and Juan Soto going over five. Right, right. It's hard. To, the Angels put up twelve runs and Mike Trout sitting there with no points. Like to me, those are the types of things I'm more likely to include than caring whether or not of the gaps in the batting order. Only because the correl the correlations between the it's more important to have five guys from a team than it is to have the order. Well, if I'm playing eight nine, I'm playing eight nine one two because it's a wraparound, dude. Play eight, nine, five, six, play whatever. Don't worry about it. They're all, the ceilings are correlated. At, as long as this team puts up 10 plus runs, you're going to want four or five guys from this team and you're not going to care which order they're in, right? Obviously the bottom of the order, less plate appearance expectation, but that goes along with, that goes along with the projection side, not with the correlation side. So like if you, if you play a six, seven, eight, nine type of stack, Obviously, you're going to get less at bats. Obviously, the projection is going to be lower. Obviously, the leverage is going to be higher because people tend to not play lower New order hitters. So you're making up the fact that, oh, you're getting a slightly lower plate appearance expectation, which is a slightly lower projection, but you're playing part of the stack that's going to be 2% and 4% owned. So you made up the difference there. So when people are like, oh, I'm going to play the top four hitters for the Dodgers that are all 30% owned. It's like, well, how do, how do I get different? I'm going to play the whole bottom of the order. I said, why don't you just play one of, play Edwin Rios batting eighth instead of one of the top four hitters. And that's it. Well, yeah, but the gap, the gap in between. It's like, who cares? If they're putting up, if they're putting up 18 runs, Edwin Rios is going to bat five or six times and have guys on base and he's going to do per- perfectly fine, right? And we've seen plenty of times where, the, the, the random sixth hitter, he's the one that's 0 for 4 for no apparent reason, right? The guy that's batting second is it, somehow, somehow Justin Turner never got in on the action, right? I mean, like, so the, the so thinking in those terms, like once you start peeling this stuff away, once you start thinking laterally and not linearly, you start, you, you start wondering, like, why, why have you been worrying about all this? Like, when the people, should you do this? Should you do that? Should you do this? Dude, Dude, I pick teams and I make combinations and I that's it. I'm done. I mean, like, I look what teams are under-owned for their expectation, right? I take a look at the projections. I take a look at the ownership and I go, oh, this team seems under-owned, right? So you know what I do? I play them, <laughs> right? And then I look at them, oh, what's another team that's under-owned? Oh, okay, that team seems under-owned. I'm going to play them too. Then I'm going to see what, what teams project well, what pitchers project well, I'm like, okay, if I'm already getting my leverage with these teams that seem under-owned, that means I can play some Yankees in those lineups. That means I can play the stud pitcher that's 60% owned in some of those lineups. That's like, well, if I'm going to play this expensive stack that's going to be under-owned, I need to find some cheap pitcher. And maybe I find a cheap pitcher that's only 8% owned. Okay, now this lineup makes sense. Then I just, okay, how many lineups am I making? Whatever that number is, give me as many of those combos or whatever. And if I have the eighth hitter in the two of my lineups, then fine with me right right that's the way it works i mean it sounds people don't believe me i've done this on this show like that's that's mlb dfs and now if oh well i don't have a hundred lineups it's like if you do building one or three lineups and make your choose the most under the one that you make you have to just curtail your decisions more that's it so instead of me i'm picking five stacks you pick you pick the best one i can pick the best one when i play single entry that's what i do 
Like I could play a hundred entries and then also in my single entry lineup go, okay, out of all these five stacks that I think are under owned, which, which, which is the best route to go. Best. I mean, now, now, now it's marginal. Now it's like, which one? Uh, I'm going to choose this one. And then there you can run with it. Well, what made you choose that one over the other four, five? About 10 seconds of thinking and then just deciding because it's baseball and anything could happen. So one of these five, I like all these five. There you go. They're under owned. But obviously in single entry, you get even the more condensed ownership. So maybe, maybe there's a slight difference in that. But other than that, it's... You shouldn't be spending that much time making decisions in MLB DFS. I mean, it's just like what I, I just don't see the point. James, do you, do you see the point in it? I mean, um, I mean, I kind of disagree with your thoughts on correlation, just because. No, but it's Ron. I, I can't, you can't disagree with me. The math is the well, math is correct. Let me chat for a sec. Okay. Um. So. Mike Leone and Logan Hitchcock over at Daily Roto did a really good study on the different correlative nature between batters and how much you are losing if you're going from like a one gap to a two gap to a three gap. Um, you do lose out on basically all of the correlation that you can have after you skip three batters in a batting order. Now that's that, for median. That's for median though. Right. That being said, and I'm getting to that, okay. when you are putting together a lineup that is skipping three batters you're hardly ever actually skipping three batters right because like eventually you're going to end up with the eight hitter who is then going to lead into one hitter who's going to lead into three it's pretty hard to lose all of the correlation possible and if you build out with four to five players like you're still going to have the correlation of the first three or four hitters even if you include the eight hitter after your one through four or whatever it's pretty hard to lose all of the correlation in your baseball lineup. So I, I think that it's wrong to say that the correlation is not there and that it doesn't matter. But at the same time, like it's really hard to lose all the correlation anyway, as long as you're stacking. Right. So, you're stacking four or five. You're stacking half of the lineup as it is. Right. So, so how right, many, but, what, what, I mean, even if you stack one, if you're doing a four man of one, four, six, eight, like, like you still have the correlation of four through eight. And right. And you still have the eight to one. You right. still have there. And also all what like you what you said, that's for median. Yeah. It for is. ceiling, if you're it ceiling means that the team puts up 15 runs. Like everyone's correlated. Now everyone's correlated. <laughs> I just wanted to correct it because I'm the math guy and I did so much right. work on the math. Well, thing. that's what that's why I said, James, I made it clear that it's for ceiling. Yeah. When and, when you and, look at it for ceiling, not for really, median. Where, where correlation matters is in NFL. I, I mean, that's really the sport that I think that correlation matters the most. And maybe NHL. I, I haven't done too much work. No, NHL it. definitely with the lines. You have to yeah. you get the double assist, of course. Well, because assists and shots on goals count so much that I do think that that matters a bit more than than baseball. But regardless, I, I think that like saying that the correlations don't matter, I think is not quite right but i think that it's really hard to get rid of so much correlation if you're stacking a lineup that you really have to worry about it anyway so i think you're both right and wrong on that and i'm just the champion of semantics right now so i just wanted to say that um but outside of that when you're when you're putting together a lineup and you're trying to focus on oh well who who should i be using in the lineup like in my models, I have two different hitter rankings. Like I have a projection set that's built off of the simulation program. And then I have a ranking set that's built off of the player baselines. And if you look at that and you see, oh, Jose Abreu projects for the best and he has the best rating on the White Sox, you, you should probably play Jose Abreu in your lineup. To your point of Mike Trout is not going to go 0 for 5 if the Angels score 12 runs. Like he's probably going to be part of it. So I think that in terms of correlation, the correlation is still there, but what matters is taking the hitters that are like, you You should bolster down your lineup. If you're stacking the Dodgers, you should bolster down your lineup with the Dodgers that matter and then surround them the best that you can with other Dodgers that fit. That, but I, no, that's not a hard, fast rule either. I, I mean, I personally, for me, I would not be fading all of Cody Bellinger and like both Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts. I wouldn't be fading them both if I'm playing the Dodgers. Well, probably the, not. Yes, probably, probably not. So right. that's why, not, but it. it's not a. You can have a three man lower order. You know, you put put together Turner, Taylor, Smith, and I, I guess I, guess I should say that as a five man. Right, as a five I, man, less likely. Yeah, 
it's significant right. and I, I significantly would even, less less closer to crazy than less likely no, no i don't nothing's crazy for for a five-man stack like i'm not nothing's crazy it. it's not crazy i said closer to crazy okay you're leaning you're leaning into your elbow is brushing up against crazy if you fade mike trout when you have a five-man angel stack right but still i'm, I'm looking at the youtube chat and still people i see a lot of questions that are based around linear thinking and it's i i I've always thought laterally. So to me, it's like, like, well, it's, it's what I said earlier in this. It's really, really hard to explain the difference. And it comes with a lot of experience. Like the, yeah, but, 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 but James, you do simulations, right? I do. Okay. So you can simulate a slate. I do. Yeah. Okay. So on this six game slate coming up today, I'm just going to show it on the script for like, let's say DraftKings. Okay. You could, if we had ownership, which we don't, if you were to, if I were to give you the the percentile projections, and I were to give you the ownership, you're you'd be able, and then the, the contest that you know we're simulating the twenty thousand entry whatever the hell contest, you'd be if I were to give you all the lineups in the contest, all twenty thousand lineups in the contest, yeah, you'd be able to simulate the slate, and tell me how many times each lineup wins yes what play or how what the payout structure is right you could put in the payout structure of that contest and run out a simulation knowing all 20,000 lineups and then run it out 10,000 times a thousand times and yeah, then show I, I mean, and then show me what the ret- what the ROI of each lineup in the contest was and right? there are people that do that in the industry yeah Yes, I know. I know. That's why I'm mentioning it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. So each lineup in each simulation, the lineup that won the first simulation could come in dead last in the next simulation. The ranges of outcomes are wide. So, but the goal is to make plus EV lineup. So once you simulate it out 10,000 times, whatever, make up a big number and you'd simulate the actual slate. If you're able to project ownership well enough, I mean, once the lineup, everything locks, like once, once the last game locks, you could literally take the whole thing and you could do it, right? And you go, now that we know and everything is whatever, you could run that simulation and you have, let's say, 20 lineups in the contest. And you could compare the expected value. Well, now it's not expected value. Now it's the actual value. And what the ROI of your lineup is, if we, if this, if obviously if your projections are accurate, right? Based on your projections, what the return of each individual lineup would be on average per contest. When you do that, James, you you may see a lineup that returns X, you know, 12% return. And the next lineup returns 11.98% return. And those two lineups could have like completely different players in them. Right. Yeah, they're, one they're could big. be an angel stack. One could be a Dodger stack. One could be it. But those lineups, if you ran 10,000 times, you may look at these two lineups and go, they're they're equal to each other, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you look at one line and go, well, this lineup has has a lot of projection. This is this is a lineup that wins when the chalk hits and uh, the stud pitcher fails. This is a lineup where this is a lineup where the one percent zone guy put up three home runs. I mean, like you you take a look at all of this ROI stuff. So when you do that. And you look and you go, okay, this the top lineup, highest expected value had a 29% average return, which is probably too high, but 29% and then 28% and 20, I'm just trying to make up numbers to go all the way down. Then you have lineups, 80% of the lineups are going to have negative 1% return, negative 2% return, negative. So you, you look at all these lineups and you go, I want to pl- play as many of the lineups that are in the top, top 20 percent of this right top 25 i want to play as many of those lineups and you look at those lineups and like okay what what was the most profitable thing to do and you look at the top and you go the most profitable thing to do was either this or that or this or that and you go well which one it's like no all four of them were equally as profitable even though the win conditions on all four of those lineups are negatively correlated to one another right so you could take a, a 
the most the most probable lineup is the one that that had the stud pitcher in it and the and the garbage stack. The second most profitable one is the is the stack against that very same pitcher. And you're like, well, how could both happen on one slate? It's like they're both the probability of both lineups are the same, right? Right, they're the same. It just on that this slate, either one of the two things happens. We don't know which one. We're simulating them out ten thousand times, but that's how you make decisions in DFS. Is by as long as I keep on making decisions that are profitable over a long period of time, the more and more decisions I make day after day after day, the more and more likely I am profitable. So when you simulate everything out 10,000 times, the winning, the, the most profitable lineups could all look differently. It's not one, it's not, you're not going to see a simulation most slates where all oh, the top hundred most profitable lineups are all, all angel stacks, right? Or all that you, you're not going to see that. You're going to see a mess of the, now, maybe more angel stacks than most. And then you, now you compare it to how owned they were. And you're like, yeah, I should have played more angels. They were owned. They were 18% owned, but they showed up in, you know, 29% of the top line. I mean, then it's like, okay, maybe I should have played more angels if you simulate it out all the time. But, but when you think in that mentality, like those top lineups, those most profitable lineups, the top 10%, they, they could be five threes, four threes, two twos. They could, you may see some three, two, two ones. And you go, well, the three, two, two, one is actually 12% profitable. Yeah, but I thought you're supposed to stack five, three. Like, no, there could be some lineups. Now, there's more likely to be less two, 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 one, one type lineups that are, sim- you know, if you simulate it out 10,000 times to be profitable. But it doesn't mean there's none of them. There could be certain slates. There may not be. There may not be as many five bands on DraftKings that are as profitable. There may be more four three ones that are profitable. There are more. There may be. Oh, do I pay up for two stud ten k starting pitchers? Maybe if we simulate this out. Maybe there's literally no profitable lineup that looks like that. Maybe there's no like none of the the cheap stacks get s- simulate out high enough that it gets you a positive return. So it's like, well, on this particular slate, the two, the double stud were unprofitable. Then on another slate, the double stud could have like 70% of the top spots, right? Just like, oh, the Tigers Pirates stack with the two stud pitchers, like that, that ends up being the most profitable lineup. Yeah, it doesn't win that often, but when it does, it wins like all the money at the top. So that's where the return is. But like in by doing, even if you're not doing that simulation, Knowing that, like, simulate it out in your head. How often does this lineup win? Now, you may not know the exact number, but just know that however often that lineup wins, there's another, and when it doesn't win, some other lineup wins. And then some. when these two don't, some other lineup wins. So there's no, like, if the Red Sox don't put up 8 million points, well, who's the, who, then who wins, right? If I'm going to stack the Angels and the Angels all put up four runs, then which stack wins? Well, some other stack wins. Well, we're never thinking in terms of 100% or 0%. So if you think the Angels win 18% of the time, that means 82% of the time some other stack is winning, right? So when that stack wins, that's going to win all the money. And that's going to win. So you may look at all these lineups one by one to each other. You may build 30, 40 lineups and go, I can't tell which one is better than the other. They all have, they all, those levers, the projection lever, you know, leverage levers, all equal. I, I got the good balance between them in all these 40 lineups. Which one is the best lineup? Who the who knows? Probably if I simulated the, these 40 lineups out on the slate just like that, I'm going to guess that they come around the same range of each other. I'm hoping they're going to be positively profitable, but most likely they're going to be, this lineup's 11% profitable. This lineup's 8% profitable. This line's 12%. Pro- and they're different lines. They're different stacks. And then someone will ask me, like, so do you build 5-3? Do you build 5-1? I'm like, dude, this stack is 4-3-1. This stack is 5-1-1. This stack is 4-4 with this. And when we ran out the simulation, they're all kind of equal to each other. So when when you're talking about hard, fast, linear thinking of, oh, do you play 5-3? Oh, do you do that? Like, none of those questions matter. None of them do. Can you find lineups that look like that? 
five. I'm sure you could probably find a lineup that is four, three, one. That is just as good as a five, three line. That's just as good as a five, one, one lineup. That's just as good at like, so like thinking in those terms of what is my construction? What does that matter? Should I play the stud pitcher or not? I'm sure you could find profitable lineups that don't have the stud pitcher. in. So does that mean I play him or don't play him? But that means it means it depends on the lineup. Like you're thinking too linearly. You're thinking, no, it's not about playing him or not. It's what lineup is he in? But then you could show me tons of lineup. You could show me on this slate coming up, what, the, the, the six game slate? You could probably show me 50 or 100 lineups. And I probably, and what do you think of this lineup? I'll go, sounds good. Looks good. So let me tell me what contest it's in. For large fields, I mean, show me 100 lineups. I'll go, okay, that looks fine. How about this lineup? That looks fine too. How about that lineup? That looks fine too. How about that lineup? That, and then you go, which one is better? I go, I don't know. They all look about the same. Which one would you play? I don't know. All four? Well, I, I can't I, play all four. I can only play one. Close your eyes and pick. I actually, I feel bad because I do run into that pretty often. Where And, and people, like, they build pretty good lineups. Like, I've taught people how to build pretty good lineups. And then they'll show me a lineup. They'll be like, can I get your opinion on this lineup? Sure, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to look at it. Does this look okay? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Right. <laughs> that's, that's all that it is. Because I, you're, you're right. I think people overthink things pretty dramatically. When it comes to when it comes to MLB DFS and especially especially if people become results oriented and they say, oh, well, I should have had this guy instead of this guy. Like the, the other day I, I played a, a St. Louis stack when they went off against whoever it was, but I didn't have Yadier Molina. I, I ended up having uh, having Wilson Ramos instead. And I'm looking at him like, well, ah, that sucks. But like, I, you know, people can tilt about that and they'll be like, I, I should have done this. I should have looked at this. I should have looked at this like. <laughs> you you have five man St. Louis stack and and like it just didn't pay off with the right guy. It, it right. is what it is, man. I typically stack with my catcher though. My DraftKings. I know, but I, I mean, I had Wilson Ramos in my stack in another spot. It's just the way that you know I, I had a five three and I had Wilson Ramos on a Tiger stack. So on the Tiger play. right on the other right, of course, which is fine. And I look at that lineup. I go, that seems fine. Yeah, yeah, I'm typically looking at lineups like that to think: Are you too extreme in one direction? You look at it, someone says, take a look at my lineup. And I look and I go, this is way too chalky, right? Yeah. Or I look at the lineup and I go, this is way too, contr- like it's way, like you don't have to get like this, this wacky, right? You take a look and they go, especially if you're not playing large field GPPs. Single entry, 500 person contest. And they're fading like, like they're playing two, 2% on pitchers and a 5% on stack. And I go, why? <laughs> do you need to do this? If you want to play, put this in a large field contest. It's fine. That, that's not crazy. But this, it's like, I mean, you can. It's a yeah, fine. Projects 26 points lower than everyone else. And why Why don't you just take, if you're going to pay that that low on stack, why don't you just take the best projected pitchers? Why not? It could win. Sure. Yes. But that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, it's not the individual stuff. Like whether or not, well, should I be four, three, one or five? That I'm just like, is it is it too much leverage? Or is it too little leverage? That's really what, if they're large field stuff, a lot of times there's no such thing as, as too little left. Does that you play anything? I mean, like it's just, well, I'm playing 1%, 1%, 1%, 1% in this stuff. Okay, fine. Do I play the seventh hitter or the eighth hitter in this garbage stack? Who cares? They're both, uh, they're both low owned and they both project about the same, whatever. They're both on a bad team. Right. They're both (laughs) on a bad team. I don't know. Whichever one you want, but I mean, you're, you're but I see, but I see tons of people that that play large field GPPs and they play lineups that look like almost close to my cash lineup, right? It looks like oh great, this is the lineup that this is the lineup that I'm playing in a hundred man contest. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna win fifty thousand dollars with this. I mean, this is no, I'm playing the chalk stack and the two chalk pitchers and the chalk one off. It's like yeah, but I got the two percent on what Rex Grossman or something, you know, Robbie Grossman. Like why? Like that to me that doesn't make any sense. That. But I could judge based on those extremes. But anything in the middle, it's like, sure, looks fine. Go, go for it. Have fun. Yep. Uh, that's why I just wanted to get that off my chest as far. But we can still, the, the thing is, the thing is, James, we, we could say that for an hour straight and we're still going to get the same same questions, right? It's all, it's all uh, teaching opportunities. Right. Just repeat ourselves and hopefully, hopefully people get it, right? 
Yep. I mean, I mean, you 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 saw the you saw the one that what I I did my I literally did my process from before the slate. Yeah. And then yeah. people DM me and goes, so what 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 are you not? Show-? Someone asked me, what are you not showing us? <laughs> right. That someone someone literally asked me that. He said said that can't be your process. That's too simple. What are you not showing us? I go nothing. That's 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 how I make my lineups. It goes. It can't be that simple. I said. The projections do everything for you. It's just a matter of what strategic thing you want to do. Right. You're building a hundred lineups. So it's like, I'm not going to get picky one lineup by one lineup in a hundred lineup set. I got a half an hour to go. So just like what teams are under own. Give me a bunch of those. I'll throw in some chalk here. I'll cap some guys there. I'll make sure that I have diversification, which is not a strategy, but just so I don't lose all my money or when I want a nice, nice swath of players. And then I upload it. Well, no, go, what are you not showing us? Like what I'm not showing nothing yesterday that I, that I had in my, well, I was asleep, but my community was having last night and they're like, well, what, what are these guys looking at that is letting them choose these one-offs? Nothing. And I'm like, it's, it's all in the projections, man. Like if you, the reason why you look at projections is because you trust that they're taking into account the things that you would look at when you're doing it yourself, like you just pay somebody else to do it. You're, you're just paying me over a pater to do that for you. And then hopefully I don't suck. Right. Like right. Right. That's, that's all that it is. Uh, and people just overthink it. And you know, over, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm just going to say it every single week. I'm going to make sure I work it in. Every single slate is one at bat out of an entire game. Just build your lineups. Don't overthink it. You'll get like, you didn't get the double dong this time, but Hopefully you get it next time. And if you right. keep good lineups, then you're going to end up making money. That's, that's all. Right. I get some lineups, like some lineups in the top 10, top 20. And I'm like, Oh, unless if I would have switched this guy for that, it's like, but I'm not switching guys. I'm not, it just, it's whatever it comes. It turns. Oh, okay. I don't have, right. I don't have, I don't have a Cunha as a one-off in my red stack that went off. I have Jose Abreu. And then I look, and Acuna is fifty-five percent owned, and Abreu is fourteen percent owned. And I look at this lineup in eleventh place, and I go, "Had I known that this is the ownership discrepancy between Acuna and Abreu, I probably would have played Abreu anyway, even though Acuna hit two home runs." I mean, like, it's it. So, like, what am I going to like? Even if I did manually build it, I still look at that lineup and go, "Yep, I guess it comes in a would have came in first if I would have just put the chalk piece there." But I mean, I don't, I don't hand build, so it's like I what. It, once, if I put Acuna in that lineup, it actually would have been over. It would have been too chalky, right? Past my threshold. So, like, it's a lineup that I couldn't have built. So, what am I tilting over? It's a lineup I couldn't have built, right? And it's a lineup that I purposely wouldn't have wanted to build, right? I looked at it's like if that was the last piece. If I was thinking linearly, and I have a utility spot, and I could put in Acuna or Abreu. And I look at the just four times discrepancy in ownership. I go, I put in this lineup with the chalk pitcher and some chalk pieces in there. It's like, I put a Brayu in there. There you go. Done. And then, so I came in 11th instead of first. There's nothing to tilt. That's not, I couldn't have made that lineup. And if I did make, if I was actually choosing it, I would have chose a Brayu. So I just move on to the next slate. It's just chalk, chalk donkeys get there, Right. So I like didn't play Acuna that slate. You remember that slate? Was it the one where they where people decided that they that they wanted to play Acuna against their own pitcher? Well, I think some people did. I mean, he, he projected oh, the best. No, that that was touted. That, they were really telling people to do that. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I was livid when he hit that home run off of his own pitcher. Because I was like, all these people freaking get there on this decision. It wasn't even like a three-game slate. It was like a it was like a six-game slate. Yeah, it was a five or six-game slate that day. And people were touting playing Acuna and just saying, oh, well, just, you know, you just eat the Acuna home run and, you know, it's a net positive. And it's like, oh, please keep telling people that. Well, I just didn't know. I, I, I mean, I played less of him only because he was – on FanDuel, he was 55% off. He was 45% on our DraftKings. Right, right. That's what that, But that's the point. And then you take oh. any of the other hitters in that range, and it's like, why, why the, why is Acuna? Yeah, he's in the best spot against the best. I mean, I, I get it, but it shouldn't be four times the ownership discrepancy. No, no. That's the type of thing. But it doesn't mean I played zero Acuna. It just means Acuna gets fit in lineups that he makes more sense in because the rest of the lineup is less owned. Right. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. 
So which one do you do? Whichever one do you want. That's why people come and they think that I'm, you know, oh my God, I watched for an hour. I didn't learn anything, right? I think people learn things. I hope they do. If you learn something, hit that thumbs up button, hit the thummy thumbs, hit the, Eli's in the office today. So he had, he had to do some travel. So give, some, give him some extra thummy thumbs and uh, hit the subscribe button. If you're new, hit the notification bell. We got Grinders Live coming up today. Grinders Live NBA uh, MLB later, it's Dean, it's someone, it's, I don't look at the schedule. There'll be people on, there'll be people, there'll be human beings talking to you about uh, MLB and, and baseball and basketball stuff later today. James, you're at, uh, at d- d- have you gotten a domain yet? Okay, Maybe. look, yes. Okay, so I do have a domain. I did buy it. I went but, right after the show last week. But it's not connected yet. Not entirely. I, I set it up. I set up the DNS. It is redirecting, but it's giving me that little warning thing because I didn't set it up correctly because I'm a noob. So I need Pager to keep DFS. Let me take a look. PagerDFS.com. Okay, it's redirected. What's wrong with that? Oh, did it work? I mean, it's a redirect, but I mean, you, you should probably not make it just that you should make it the actual, the A name of the site. The A name? Okay. All right. right. Well, oh, hey, it works. It works. Yeah. Okay. There we go. At least it redirects. At least you could say, redirects. you could say pagerdfs.com and it does go. I can. Right. Okay. You can at least say that. Because it was giving me the little warning of like, oh, this person's trying to steal your identity or whatever. I don't know. Maybe the DNS. It's working now. Hey, cool. Okay. So, yeah. So I did do that. You can't yell at me about it anymore. And no, but you still have to make it the domain name. You just I made a redirect. Me, Jordan. Uh, little baby steps, I guess. Yep, baby steps. I'll work on it more this week. Okay, so you could go to pagerdfs.com. <laughs> right? Yep. You could set it, you could set up an email address now. I could. I James could. at pagerdfs.com. Okay. See, you see how it, but see, because people can email me at Jordan at theoryofdfs.com. Now, is that, does that email address exist? No, it's just forwards to my Gmail, like all my other email addresses, but it makes it seem like, like when you're like, oh, a domain name and a, an email address. It's so professional. It really isn't, but it, people, it makes it, people think it's professional, right? I'm getting there, man. I'll, right? I'll be professional by the end of the year. I'll yeah, have, it just life. makes it just a uh, keeping up appearances. Yeah, exactly. Right. So right. anyway, you, you can go to paterdfs.com and you can find all my work there. Uh, you can also find me on pater underscore DFS on, uh, on the Twitter machine. Um, and yeah, you can find me and Jordan's work at theoryofdfs.com slash masterclass. Yep. So uh, we'll be talking about uh, this slate today, uh, tomorrow, where we go over stuff because uh, that's, that's what I do here, except for Mondays where we, we, we banter about stuff, uh, try to help people out, try to teach uh and uh and yeah so review stuff tomorrow uh if you're not in my contest i'm playing DraftKings today and not fanduel because fanduel fanduel has thirty thousand to first ten thousand to second and like a thousand to fifth and DraftKings is doing an eight dollar contest today so i'm going to be playing Ooh. DraftKings today versus fanduel so for gpp the first time this year uh so so if you're not in oh, my contests fun. you know good luck to you but, yeah, uh, the MLB contests don't suck today. That's cool. Right, they don't suck. Right, exactly. They don't suck today on DraftKings. That's, right. like That's why I'm here. Right. That's why I'm playing the, the GPPs on DraftKings today. All right. Of course, but tomorrow will be horrible, right? That's, yeah, yeah. I'll do it for one day, and that's it. But, but, but I'll review it tomorrow, because I'm here every day, every weekday, right? 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time for the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. Stop calm.